The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to the chief priests and elders of the people, What is your opinion? A man had two sons. He came to the first and said, Son, go out and work in the vineyard today. He said in reply, I will not, but afterwards changed his mind and went. The man came to the other son and gave the same order. He said in reply, Yes, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did his father's will? They answered, The first. Jesus said to them, Amen, I say to you, tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God before you. When John came to you in the way of righteousness, you did not believe him, but tax collectors and prostitutes did. Yet even when you saw that, you did not later change your minds and believe him. The Gospel of the Lord. Do we complain about what is asked of us? I think we do. Just my own reflection as a kid growing up, my mom or my dad would say, Hey, you know, go empty the dishwasher. Sure, give me a second. Second turns into a minute, turns into 10 minutes, turns into 20 minutes, turns into mom and dad coming to your room, knocking on your door, and like pulling you by your ear to the dishwasher. Yeah. We're like, you know, do this other task. Yeah, okay, sure. And we never do it, right? Why do we complain about what is asked of us? Well, in those moments, I just was being selfish. You know, I was too focused on uh, playing a video game or watching some TV show, or I just didn't want to do it because I didn't think it was that important. Translate that to our faith. Are we bitter about our faith at times? Are we bitter about the teachings and the expectations God has for us? Do we think, man, if I wasn't a Christian, I wouldn't have to get up at 8 a.m. and go to church at 9 a.m., or maybe if you're lucky, you roll in at like at 9.02 a.m. I mean, not that anyone here does that, right? But are we bitter about our faith, the expectations God gives to us? God has for us. It's important to always have context, right? So the context of the gospel today, just prior to this reading, the chief priests and the elders asked Jesus a question. They asked him where he gets his authority because Jesus was teaching in the temple. He's reading the scrolls. And Jesus, in his cleverness, never just responds with a straight answer. But he asked them a question. He asked the chief priests and the elders a question. He says, John the Baptist, his baptism, was that a baptism from heaven or was it a baptism from men? And the elders and the chief priests, they're, they're hesitant to answer this question because if they answer it's from heaven, then why didn't they believe John? That's going to become the next por- portion. And if the answer is from men, there's a whole slew of people that are there who followed John, who, who listened to him, who believed in him, and they don't want to face the, the ridicule, the backlash, the wrath of those people. And so you know what they do? They don't answer. 
classic. And that's just another example that if we don't have trust, if we don't have courage, if we don't have faith in what we believe, we will crumble and stand for nothing. So the two sons today, right, knowing that's our, back, our, our, our context, the two sons today represent two groups of people. The first son represents the group of sinners, us. All right. The sinners who repent at the preaching of John. The second are Israel's leaders, well, the chief priests, the elders, the scribes, Pharisees, who refuse the Baptist's message. And it's interesting because they, they highlight tax collectors, prostitutes, harlots. They, they emphasize that type of sinner because in their mind, those were the worst sinners in that day and age. And even the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the harlots respond to John the Baptist. They respond to his preaching. They respond to his call for repentance. By following John's way of righteousness, the former sinners end up doing the will of the Father. They change. And that's the, that's the really good part, like seeking truth, which is what we should all be doing. We should all be truth seekers. Requires change within ourselves. It at least requires an openness to change. And we might wonder, well, who is truth? What is truth? And the thing is, we have the answer to that. Jesus is the way and the truth, and the life. This he says with most clarity. And when he says that, I am the way, the truth, and the life, what he's saying is that he is the sole Savior of the world. He makes this bold claim. He is the one mediator chosen by the Father to bring the human family to glory. So when we think, oh, I can get to God through other means, other ways, other other avenues, we're actually really, really mistaken. That there's other people out there who are the Savior. That's actually wrong. There is one and only one, and his name is Jesus. He is God, right? And so, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That line has great weight, it's something we have to be reminded of. Now here's another question. You know, thinking about these two sons, the first son being the sinners who initially say no but then change their way, the second son saying yes but then never following through. Knowing that Jesus is the sole Savior of the world, the, the mediator for us to God. Who is heaven truly open to then? It's probably going to surprise us. It's probably going to shock us a little bit. Who is heaven truly accessible to? Well, heaven's accessible to just about every single person that exists because God can do whatever he wants with anyone in any capacity. But who will be in heaven? I don't really know that. We have an idea, but what's necessary to acquire heaven? And we could probably give lots of answers to this, you know. Well, some would say it's necessary to be baptized. That's 
not a bad start. Some would say it's necessary to follow the teachings of God. That's probably a pretty good idea. Some would say it's probably necessary to, to like, do certain actions or do certain things, and, and they're probably not wrong. But I'm going to lay a particular claim today. I think what's most necessary, and I could be wrong, but it's something for us to consider. What's most necessary for heaven is repentance from the sinner. Changing from the former ways to choose to follow God. And to not be like the Pharisees, to not be like the chief priests, to not be like the hypocrites who throughout Scripture act as good people, but do nothing to change their ways. You know, having this modern-day attitude of being a quote-unquote good person is the wrong attitude to have. It's, it's just, it just is. Like, what is good? My good is subjective to your good. Good is, I don't do this thing, or good is, I do that thing. But it's so subjective. How is that a great defining marker of heaven? It's not. And it's actually better for all of us to acknowledge the fact that we are sinners. You know, let's replace some of these sins, right? Okay, so there's probably not a lot of harlots out there. There's probably not a lot of prostitutes out there. Don't raise your hand if you are. No one needs to know this, right? That's for you and God in confession. Tax collectors, if you work for the IRS, technically you're a tax collector, so good luck with that. Or if you're an accountant that does taxes, I don't know. Maybe somewhere in there there's something, I don't know. But let's, let's change it up. Liars. Cheaters. Skippers of mass. I always go back to that one. Gossipers. People with wrath in their heart. Right? There's, the fact is, we're all sinners. And we're all in need of a Savior. Let's just acknowledge that. Let's just get that over with. But let's also seek his repentance. What's it going to take to believe in God? What's it going to take to believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and to change our ways, to start making choices that may be sacrificial, that might require uh, a, a sacrifice on our part in order to follow the truth who is Jesus? What will it take to make the choice to say that Christ is the only way towards salvation? You know, this is not something that, that we can do alone. It's not something that we should barter or make deals about. And we too often, people will say, oh, I'll, I'll change tomorrow. I'll, I'll, do, I'll be different tomorrow. I'll, I'll do it differently next week. I'll make it to Mass next week. I'll... I'll go to confession next time. Brothers and sisters, your souls are too important to wait. There's no point in delaying. I went to confession on Thursday. It was probably the best thing I did all week. We must stop waiting for tomorrow to change because tomorrow's not promised. Heaven is not guaranteed, and that's not to be scary. That's just to be real. Like, yeah, God made heaven open to us, which is awesome. I can't wait to be there, I hope. 
But if I rely on being a good person, I don't think I'm going to make it. So what do I do? I strive for holiness. I strive for righteousness. I strive to turn away from my sinfulness. You know, baptism does open a door. That's great. But I must constantly and consistently walk through the door. I must daily choose Christ, especially because I'm a sinner. You know, I I wonder in this gospel, what caused the first son to change his mind? No, I'm not going to go work. But afterwards, changed his mind and went. Did he realize that his blatant no would lead him to turmoil and destruction? What insight did he acquire? We'll, We'll never really know that. But the thing is, he turned. He changed. He did it. What caused the second son to become just a, a yes man, right? but to not follow through with anything, to be really spineless ultimately in the end? I'll say I'll do this, I'll look like I'll do it, but in the end, I really stand for nothing. I, my, my words mean nothing. And why, why are the tax collectors, the prostitutes, why are the sinners, the ones that were deemed like the worst of the sinners, why are their hearts so open to change? Are we any different from them? No, we're not. And so we should be cautious to presuppose God's mercy and judgment. I'm grateful for his mercy. I acknowledge his judgment. I can't presuppose that, you know, maybe if I do all the right things, I'll, I'll get a ticket in. It's so funny. So I think I've told you this story before. Um, when a priest is ordained, our hands are anointed with sacred chrism, and then we use a purificator to uh, wipe up as much of the oil as possible. That is ultimately called a, a manaturgia. Don't worry about that. Uh, but as a gift, the priest gives to their mother the manaturgia on their first mass. And the concept of all this is that when that mother dies, you wrap her hands in the cloth that was given to her by her son, the priest. And supposedly, then she gets to go and see St. Peter, and he's like, oh, you're a mother of a priest. My mom thought that was a ticket into heaven. I said, no. You still have to, you still have to do stuff. You have to change. It's not, like a, it's not like a Pasco, click $200, get out of jail, free card. No. But we, we act like that so often in our lives. So, even when my words fail, my actions can still speak for me. And I can choose to follow God by what I do and how I act, not just in what I say. Because to say, oh, I'm a Christian, I, I, I know a lot of Christians out there that aren't very Christ-like. I know a lot of Christians out there that aren't doing the best of things all the time. I know a lot of Christians out there who are repentant sinners, and I'm one of them. So we should stop hiding behind our words and our titles of being Christian and show the world how we're Christian. So, I have some basic steps for us. Are you ready? Silence is consent. Excellent. First step, go to church. 
You knew that was coming, right? So you're here. That's good. Thanks be to God. But it's more than just going, right? It's more than just showing up and then like sitting there and like waiting for the homily to end and doing the Catholic calisthenics of the up and the down and the kneeling. It's, it's being here and giving of ourselves in the prayer, it's encountering a living God, the living God. Go to confession. You knew that one was coming. Right? As sinners who are in need of a Savior, he's given us the greatest tool and greatest gift ever of confession. It's there. It's free. You don't have to pay anything. You have to maybe swallow a little bit of your like pride or whatever it is and then just confess the things and go away. Max time, probably six or seven minutes. I shouldn't say that because someone will come in and it'll be like half an hour. Who knows? But the reality is, it does not take a lot of effort or work to go in there. Just examine your conscience and go. All right. For, for those out there who are young parents, have your children baptized. Give them the gift of life. For those who have been baptized but then maybe never confirmed, seek confirmation. It's a great sacrament that actually helps us live out our adult life as Christians. It's not too late. These sacraments open the door for graces that will help us live our lives forever. If you're not in a valid marriage, get your marriage validated. You know, there's a lot of things we can do. It's the, the church wants to work with you and help you. you know, acquire a prayer routine. You know, it's good that we come here, but like, how do we talk to God when we're not here? Seek people in life who love God and have a wonder and an awe for him. Surround yourself with holy people striving for holiness. If they're good, awesome. I'd rather them be holy, because if you're holy, you're probably going to be good. It just works out that way. Be involved in the life of the church, in the different ministries. There's a lot to do. We don't have a lot of people doing all of that, and you can be a part of it. And then discover what gifts and graces God gives to serve him, to serve his church, and to serve the world. We have such an amazing opportunity. We have such an amazing gift in our faith. Why do we question it at times? Why do we grow bitter at times? Why do we fail to acknowledge the righteousness that is God? You know, we're, I'd rather be in this situation the first Sunday. I'd rather say no and then fix myself than say yes and stand for nothing. Ultimately, it'd be great if we just said yes and did the thing, right? But, you know, we're all, all a little screwed up, so that doesn't always happen. But Christ, the Son of God, He loves us. God the Father loves us that He sent His Son. The Holy Spirit is the love of the Father and the Son together, who is our advocate, who is here ready to aid us. We just have to choose him. Choosing him might require sacrifice. Choosing him might require change. But brothers and sisters, as I said, your souls are worth that. So get back to the basics. Follow through on those. Seek out whatever needs to be done for, for aid. Like that's, that's why we are here. We're here to help you. But know that God is waiting God is waiting for us to choose him, to come back to him, 
and to say yes to him.